we were talking about doubting the Jesus, doubting God, doubting the Holy Spirit, doubting the Bible. That's the four we've done. Catch up online if you've missed them. And today, uh, doubting the church. Um, it's not enough time, I'm sure you'd agree, to talk about the doubts we might collectively have about the church in the next 12 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, so this may just uh, scratch the surface and may pick up some things that you want to talk about later, and I'd encourage you to do that in your life groups, in your families, or with me. You may have doubts about the church because of history. Doubt because of what the church has seemingly done over the years. You may doubt the church's integrity. You may doubt because you don't like what the church teaches or stands for in some way. I'm going to begin by, by looking at what the church is. The gospel reading, um, Jesus talks about the church. Uh, we didn't invent the church. Jesus set the church in motion when he said to Peter, on this rock, Peter meaning rock, uh, I will build my church. And so, um, as you know, uh, especially those of you from a Roman Catholic background, St. Peter was uh, the first pope. Um, and indeed, on that rock was the church built. The word church, um, I'll throw one Greek word in today, uh, no charge, ecclesia. Uh, so ecclesia uh, means um, the gathering, effectively. Uh, so the church, in a sense, is the gathering. Um, it's quite interesting these days when we think about the church, and some people will talk about the church as a place that we go and worship, and some people will talk about the church as out there in the world. Um, and I want to say that both of those are true. That won't surprise you, because normally whenever I say things, both of them are true, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, both of those are true, because if we don't gather... And admittedly, at the moment, some of us are gathering online, but we're still taking time out to gather. If we're not doing some kind of gathering, uh, then, then we can't do the scattering piece of going and living our lives in the world as Christians. So the word church from ecclesia, which is where we get ecclesiastical and all sorts of um, ecky words that we like to use in the church, um, so if you, hear, if you hear ecclesiastical or anything that starts with ecky, it probably means the church, unless it's an Eccles cake, which is something different. Um, I digress. Jesus set the church in motion in Peter, in, uh, in Matthew, uh, in the gospel there. And so then if we look at 1 Corinthians, we see Paul writing to a church. Uh, what we know about the church in Corinth is that they were quite messed up. Um, and that's why it's really good that we have this letter to see what Paul was saying to this church that were quite messed up. In what way were they messed up? Well, he writes to them to the church of God in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 2, if you're following. Um, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. In other words, to you lot in the church in Corinth who are saints. Oh, thank you. I can see it there too. Great. Uh, you are saints. You are called to be holy people who are set apart. That's what uh, the church is. It's not just an accidental group of people. You're called to be holy people. And yet, what do we know? We've looked at 1 Corinthians in detail. We know that the church in Corinth were famous for two things. They were really into their spiritual gifts. God had given them all these wonderful spiritual gifts, and they were also really into their sexual sins. And so you end up in this place of promiscuity and of all sorts of stuff going on, and yet uh, God's trying to give these people gifts. And so Paul's saying, okay, we need to focus on the gift and not the other stuff. 
That's the church in Corinth. And yet Paul says, verse 4, I always thank God for you. He's encouraging them. I thank God for the grace that he's given you in Christ Jesus because you've been enriched with all these special gifts and knowledge. You do not lack anything in terms of spiritual gifts. He's really encouraging to them, which, as you know, will change as we go through the letter. But there's an encouragement for the church to say, look, you, you've, God's given you stuff. You've got potential. You can do things. You should be uh, united as the church. And yet, still with the church, we saw problems then and we see problems now. Do you doubt the church in any way? Do I doubt the church? I'll tell you, I doubt the church. I doubt the church all the time. Sometimes on Sunday afternoons, I go home and wonder what it's all about. Quite often it's one or two days in the week when I'll have a really bad day and things will seem quite stressful. I think, oh, why am I doing this? Why did I ever leave behind my railway? I had a, a priest who once said to me, that I should expect to want to quit working for the church at least once a week. And, he said, and at least once a month, you should be so close to picking up the phone and calling the bishop with your resignation. He said, he said if, if, if you aren't in that place occasionally, something is wrong. That might come of a surprise to some of you, and those of you who've been on parish councils, uh, it won't come to a surprise at all that there'll be times when the rector's like, I'm done. And yet, and yet, uh, we, whether we're in a congregation, whether we serve in a ministry, or whether we're a rector, a priest, a pastor, a vicar, we have that sense of calling. We have that sense of, of knowing. I have a sense of calling to this place. Five years ago, I flew over here for an interview, and I remember the the question around where will the church be in five years' time? And, uh, and, and none of us in that room, a few of you are here, none of us would have imagined we'd be in a place where you can come to church, but don't sit too close to anyone. Make sure you wear a mask. No one's allowed to sing, but you can hum quietly with a mask on. You know, it just is mad, isn't it? And yet, there's a sense that we're called to be the church in this place for such a time as this. And so somehow we do hold doubts on the one hand with calling on the other. The church, the image of the church as it's talked about in the New Testament is that the church is perfect. And we know that the church is not perfect. But what does it mean even to be perfect? There's a priest who tells a story uh, when, um, to couples when they get married. And, uh, and so what he does is he says to the um, to the groom. Now, your, your bride here. No, the other way around. I'm going to start the other way around. It's better that way. Um, so, so he says to the bride, your, your groom here, you, you need to know that as you get married, there's going to be some things in life that he's not very good at. He, he might forget to take the trash out or put the recycling out on the right day of the week. Um, he, he might come home late from work and, and the dinner's cold on the table. Uh, he, he might forget to bring you up a cup of tea first thing in the morning, but you need to know that he's not perfect. And so then the priest um, looks to the groom and says, now the thing you need to remember about your bride today is that she is perfect, 
And the quicker you remember that, the easier everything will go. The image we see in the Bible of the church is that, that it's the bride of Christ, Jesus being the groom in this, in this example. And whilst uh, men, grooms here on earth, definitely have room for improvement, Jesus doesn't. So every illustration breaks down somewhere. But there is the sense that um, everyone in the congregation hearing that story knows full well that the bride isn't perfect. Some of them witnessed her string of expletives as she couldn't get into her dress just half an hour ago. And yet for that moment in that place, they're good with the fact the priest is saying, hey, here is a bride on her wedding day. She's perfect. And so somehow when we look at the church and we say the church is perfect, that's the kind of regard, I hope that's a helpful illustration. If it's not, then just enjoy the story, but <laughs> the joke. Um, but, but in a sense, the church, we, we know it's not perfect, and yet somehow it's the best thing we have. The church is the visible, tangible presence of the kingdom of God here on earth. It's said we're not a hospital um, we're not a, a museum for saints, but we're a hospital for sinners. Sinners who are in the process of trying to be saints. So we often get things wrong because we're humans. Typically, uh, when a church is in the news, it's not good. It's not good news they're reporting. Do you know, I, I sometimes watch Netflix. Um, I don't know if any of you watch Netflix, or, or, but, but it doesn't have to be Netflix. It could be... It could be um, uh, all sorts of TV shows, and, 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 and occasionally there's a member of the clergy, or a priest, or a pastor, and every time I see a member of the clergy, or a priest, or a pastor appear on the television, I, I say to my I, oh no, I say to my wife, here we go, because it's never a good story. Normally, they were the murderer, they were the adulterer, they, were the, they did something wrong, and they'll come across as really nice, and then something will happen. The church is not portrayed well in the media, and the church is not portrayed well in the news. And realistically, your friends, your family who don't go to church and have problems with the church, they are getting that from what they see in the media. And the media is not painting a good picture of the church or the clergy. And absolutely, there are shameful and terrible things that have happened in the past in the name of religion, in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the church. There are things that as Anglicans, we are in the process of apologizing for. Reconciliation with First Nations is, is a big thing. Uh, it's one of the, the five um, uh, uh, hallmarks in the diocese that, that's become really important. But yet, yet, on the other hand, the church is the bride of Christ. The church, in a sense, is perfect, whilst it's also not. Anglican theologian, he died recently, J.I. Packer, uh, says that in regards to the church, we need to organize ourselves somehow. I quite like that. We need to organize ourselves somehow. And we do it in different ways. We do it in denominations. But in essence, the church boils down to a congregation like this one, in a local community like this one, trying to do the work of living out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ like we do. And sometimes we're going to do it well, and sometimes we're not. And sometimes it gets quite hard. It feels like we're in a hard season right now. Uh, the, the picture I would give you, and I'm going to whiz through this illustration, is, uh, is if you ever get the ferry to Victoria, if you get the ferry to Victoria, you start out and you've got this beautiful stretch of open water. 
And, and imagine um, in, in, the, in the first few years of me being here, I kind of felt like I was probably the captain of that ship. You know, all I had to do was just wander around and say hello to people. And, and then as we, as, as we get through, um, I think it's called the active pass, is that right? Um, the, the, uh, the bit where you go through the southern Gulf Islands, all of a sudden, at that point, it's a case of just keep steering the ship. And my sense for the church right now is we just have to keep steering the ship. We have to keep our hands on the wheel. And, and that's what uh, my job is now, is just to keep us going so that somehow we might get to the other side and we might get where we're going, which is the other side of this virus. And the reality is for church, sometimes that's what it's like. Uh, it feels like there are times when it is plain sailing and everything's going great, and other times it's really hard. And yet, as J.I. Packer says, we need to organize ourselves somehow. And this is probably the best way we can think of to do it. I wanted to uh, finish with a few uh, frequently asked questions that people might have about the church. Um, and so what I've done is I've got some quotes here from some uh, famous theologians through the years. Um, and what I've done is I've written the question and given what their answer is. Um, so, isn't the church full of hypocrites? A.R. Adams says, don't stay away from the church because there are so many hypocrites. There is always room for one more. Uh, you can, you can uh, remember any of these and, and share them with friends who, are, who might ask these, these questions of you about the church. Do you have to be worthy to be a church member? Charles Clayton Morrison said, the Christian church is the only society in the world in which membership is based upon the qualification that the candidate shall be unworthy of membership. Isn't the church for certain kinds of people? J.C. Ryle said, the church of Christ needs servants of all kinds. Instruments of every sort, penknives as well as swords, axes as well as hammers, chisels as well as saws, Martha's as well as Mary's, Peter's as well as John's. If I go to church, does that automatically make me a Christian? Billy Sunday said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Here's one, maybe if we talk less about Jesus, we might attract more people to the church. George Buttrick says, people are driven from the church not so much because stern truth makes them uneasy as weak nothings that make them contemptuous. G.K. Chesterton, Catholic theologian from the um, 19th, 20th century, I never quite remember, it's one of the two. Um, anyway, maybe if we're more like the world, more people would come. Chesterton said, we do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Last one, Charles Spurgeon. Why doesn't the church have any influence in the world? I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. We can doubt the church and still be a part of it. We can see the church as both perfect and yet full of humans like us with our imperfections. Commentator J.B. Phillips said, if we accept the divine entry of God into human history through the man Jesus Christ, we cannot help accepting the unique nature of the fellowship which he has founded. For in a true sense, it is an extension of the actual visit of Jesus 
sustained by the living God. No Christian is Christ, and yet we are to imitate him all the same. No church is perfect, and yet somehow the church is perfect. As we sail at times through the treacherous waters of life, I know that given the choice, I would rather be in the ship than in the sea, because I'm not a good swimmer. When the church, or the church needs, as it needs you and it needs me to play our part, to work towards making it perfect, in the full knowledge that we never will, but with the vision, the hope, and the work, and the prayer, and the care that will make a difference, not just to the church, but to our community, to our city, and to our world. Amen.